shot and a great save by Dane St. Clair. Shot by Matt DeRosa, and it's in! Matt DeRosa puts the Terps up 1-0. Staden coming forward now, he had two last week. He winds up the left-footed shot, and it sneaks into the bottom corner. Bin outside the box, a shot with the right foot, and it's in! Paul Bin wins it for the Terps! Now Sadich plays inside the 18, the shot, and a goal for the Terps! Leaves it for Herbe, cutting it back to the middle, and it's in! Paul Bin gets the goal for Maryland. Elney has the room, he shoots it in! Maryland has a 1-0 lead on the goal from the senior, Sebastian Elney. Eli Cronali, the deep free kick, sent into the box now. Hervé there, the back post, and it's through the legs and in! Donovan Vines is claiming it as the 6-5 man does a cartwheel on the far side, doubling Maryland's lead. And that'll do it! Maryland's California dream have become a reality. For the first time in a decade, the Terps are national champions! Ladies and gentlemen, get on your feet and welcome your Ludwig Lowdown, featuring Brendan Hartlove and Joe Malfa. Welcome into the sixth episode of the Ludwig Lowdown, our Maryland men's soccer podcast here on WMUC Sports Radio. I'm Brendan Hartlove, joined once again by Joe Malfa, returning to the studio. Joe, thanks for coming back. Of course, it's always good to be back. We've got a good rotation among all of us here. Yeah, it's, we're kind of sharing the wealth a little bit. So, uh, first things first, uh, it is too freaking hot outside, Joe. It is, that is true. It is October. It is spooky season. Yes. It should not be. Uh, we're recording The end this is in sight, though. That is true. I am looking ahead very optimistically to... Uh, the next week, and it is supposed to be low 70s, upper mid 60s for the next like 10 days. So I think it's safe to say we are beyond this disgusting heat in October. So we're recording this Tuesday. It's about 82 degrees right now, and tomorrow it's supposed to be like a high in the 90s. Yes. Uh, which is unacceptable. No. Uh, but Maryland will have to face that heat tomorrow night against Rutgers. That was a beautiful segue. And now we're back to sports after your five day forecast. So, um, Maryland played Friday night against Wisconsin. If you watched that game, good for you. It means you weren't watching Maryland-Penn State yeah. football. Um, Didn't matter. Maryland soccer and Maryland football scored the same exact amount. So That is painfully true. That is painfully true. Um, but, yes, yeah, so Maryland traveled to Madison, Wisconsin last Friday night. The game was delayed about an hour and 15 minutes. It was raining. I think they might have had a women's soccer game before that. I could also have that wrong, but I know at least in part due to weather. Um, and so it was a pretty difficult road test uh, for the Terps. So we'll recap that. Uh, I sat down with Eli Cronally, the Maryland captain and center midfielder. We talked to him about pretty much everything from his older brother Alex to uh, last year, his relationship with Amar Sadich, and then a bunch of the random questions that I like asking these guys, uh, whatever, whatever comes to mind. So uh, we have that coming up, and then we will be previewing uh, the game tonight against Rutgers and then the game Saturday night against Cal State Fullerton. And as you can tell, this is coming out on a Wednesday instead of our normal Fridays. That's because the schedule is so weird this week, and we figured this would be a decent time to, to do the podcast for this week. So it's going to be a little bit different, but I think you'll still get the same out of it nonetheless. So, Joe, we will start with the game in Madison. As I said, it was delayed a while. It was a waterlogged pitch, uh, which makes the playing surface a little more challenging at times uh, but from the opening whistle Maryland was pretty dominant on the road against a pretty decent Wisconsin side yeah, and they just have to continue to find ways to score goals going forward it's been an issue for them this season they're scoring output down and it showed not again as, they not had, as down as it was at the beginning of last season that is true <laughs> that is true so it's better than that at yes. least if you're going to go by that but it's down again 
they don't have that true striker up top who is going to consistently give you opportunities. Matzalevich kind of sort of going into that role. He's got a couple of tallies so far, but they just don't have it up top, and they need to manufacture goals, whether it's on set pieces or uh, somehow springing a counterattack, turning teams over at the back end like they have a couple of times this year. But all those shots, no goals to show for it. doesn't matter in the end. And so Maryland, again, came out starting in that 3-5-2 formation, the three defenders, five midfielders, two forwards. Uh, goalkeeper update, Nicholas Newman started once again. Uh, as That continues to, to be a bit of a rotation for Maryland, but Newman has been getting significant minutes. So over the first 45 minutes, Maryland had 12 shots which is really kind of unprecedented. It shows kind of how dominant Maryland was right out of the gate that they were getting those opportunities but couldn't find the back of the net. And so the game kind of changed, well, frankly, a lot when in the 40th minute, freshman Malcolm Johnston, who was, if you remember, the hero of the home opener against South Florida, the freshman scoring on his debut, uh, Johnston got sent off a straight red card in the 40th minute which, spoiler alert, this game goes to overtime. And so Maryland played down to 10 men for about 71 minutes, um, which is obviously a challenge tactically, mentally, and physically when you have one less guy on the field. And so it was kind of a soft red card. I mean, I'm not exactly in the camp that likes to challenge referees' decisions too much. Uh, I like to challenge referees' decisions a lot. That was me trying to cue you up. It was very bad. (laughs) (laughs) It was not... uh, one of the better calls I've seen. Very soft, but I'll leave that alone for now before yeah. I go any further. Uh, I believe the wording used by the team in the recap was the referee deemed to be excessive contact to a Wisconsin player. So um, you can probably find the clip somewhere. I know our, our soccer insider Tom Hindle did kind of a recap tactically of how that performance went playing down to 10 men, and he has the clip in there. So WMECsports.net, Tom's article is up there if you want to see it for yourself. Or you can take our word and just agree that it was questionable <laughs> at best. So uh, playing down a man, 71 minutes, the Terps go in the locker room. And I asked Sasha Sarovsky yesterday what his kind of message was to the team at, at halftime because obviously adjustments have to be made. And he said nothing really changed tactically. They went without another forward. Brian Padilla kind of played a hybrid attacking midfielder forward, like a second forward type of thing. But he said his message to the team was if every player puts in another 10%, that I didn't check his math here, but I think he said like that equates to having an eleventh man on, on the pitch, and um, I can see you trying, trying to, to do the math, math in your head. I We're, guess you know what—that's nine guys, an extra nine field players, an extra ten percent plus a goalie, extra ten percent. Ten times ten is a hundred, so I guess that's a hundred percent of the one player they're missing. That's I think the logic there. I guess it, so. He said it very convincingly. I was right. just like, yes, coach. There's uh, a lot of things you could say convincingly and have it make sense. Uh, this past weekend, after the Chiefs came back against the Lions in the NFL, Andy Reid said, uh, "No, mo- no, um, I forgot the exact wording, but not all of Mozart's paintings were perfect. Uh, Mozart was a musical <laughs> composer, so I guess as long as you say it, convi- all the guys in the locker room went wild, so as long as you say something convincingly, it's going to go over well. Yeah, so this is, Sasha's better at math than we are, So, but that was kind of the message that nothing really had to change too much for them. It was a, it was a mentality thing and kind of showed the resilience there. And he's kind of echoed that how resilient and mentally tough his team is um, this entire this entire season. So halftime, down to 10 men. Uh, you come out again. Maryland, again, had a lot more shots. It wasn't as pretty as the first half. Um, but Wisconsin played a pretty low block that dealt with Maryland's pressure, even being down to 10 men. Um, and so they, they held some good possession and – the the Badgers started to get a little more confident going forward. 
And as you go deeper into a game like that, when you're down to 10 men, it's going to take a toll on you. And it showed as, obviously, like you said, the Badgers, more confidence, started flowing more. But a big part of that is also now you have nine field players who are starting to drag after um, having to cover so much more ground. And don't forget that, you know, the hour and 15-minute delay, that throws everything off. Everybody's out of their rhythm, Mm -hmm. and everything has to just completely uh, turn around in some way. You know, you're warming up later. Maybe you warmed up, and now you've got to go back and warm up again. So everything is out of whack. And now on top of that, you have to deal with another hurdle of going down to 10 men. It's not really a surprise that the Badgers ended up playing better down the stretch of the Thurston. Yeah, Nicholas Newman had to make five saves in that game. He kept a clean sheet, and most of those saves came when Maryland was down to 10 men, which is just kind of, it comes with the territory. Um, Eli Cronally back to full health, played a lot in that game. You could see he was starting to get a little tired towards the end. He has been out for, as he said, almost kind of three games, really, when you when you do the math. It but. wasn't great to have him coming back not fully maybe conditioned mm-hmm. into a match where he now has to cover that much more ground yeah. because you're down a midfielder. So not a great recipe for him to really uh, have a lot of energy down the stretch. Second game that Maryland has had to go, essentially 110 minutes in a row with St. John's um, and then again Wisconsin. So it's kind of testing their fitness a little bit, which with a very difficult college soccer schedule is is always a challenge. So um, you get into overtime – not a ton really happened. I mean, Maryland had a few chances, but nothing that you could say screamed uh, a likely goal. So, um, At the end of the day, pretty much you can kind of look at it like this if you're a Maryland soccer fan and you're trying to justify the nil-nil draw against Wisconsin. The game against St. John's probably deserved to be a nil-nil draw, and they yeah. got a one nothing win. The game against Wisconsin probably deserved to be a one nothing win, and they got a nil-nil draw. The university evened it out. Yeah, so after the game, uh, it, it finishes no-no, as you said. Um, Sasha said, I'm incredibly proud of our effort tonight. Our players showed great heart and determination after going down to 10 men. I thought we played a fantastic first half, and I was excited by the quality of our play. I thought we deserved the result even when we went down to 10 men. I'm excited about where our team is headed. And I think that kind of sums it up pretty well is that, yes, St. John's might have been a little bit of a disappointment, but it was a very solid performance put in by Maryland against Wisconsin that that shows signs of, of encouragement going forward. This is right around when they started to pick things up a little bit last year. They didn't quite turn around at this juncture. It took a little bit longer until that Denver match later in the season and then the big overtime win against Penn State. But this is when they roughly started to trend in the right direction again after the slow start. So they had the win against St. John's. They probably deserved a win against Wisconsin. Now they just have to follow that up with a good performance against a Rutgers team that is receiving votes and then a ranked Cal State Fullerton team on Saturday. And so talking to Eli Cronally yesterday, I think he kind of echoed the same sentiments in my interview coming up in just a few seconds, really. Um, he he kind of talked about how Maryland was trying to ride the momentum of St. John's going into the rest of Big Ten play. Yeah, you still have Cal State Fullerton and Georgetown and all that, but uh, kind of getting into the busier part of Big Ten play. And he said this doesn't exactly stop the momentum, just kind of puts it on pause. We have to unpause it uh, starting against Rutgers. So I think now is probably a good time to go to um, our interview with Maryland captain, uh, the second Cronally brother to wear the armband for Maryland um, has been a very solid part of the Terps midfield for the past few seasons um, and is a very great guy and I enjoyed sitting down and talking with him. So now we'll go to our interview with Maryland midfielder Eli Cronally. 
I'm now joined by Maryland midfielder Eli Cronalli. And Eli, thank you for taking the time to sit down with me. Yep, thank you for having me. Um, we'll get started with kind of you growing up playing soccer, very soccer-minded family. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of what was your journey from playing the, the swarm soccer at like four or five years old yeah. to, to getting to Maryland? Um, geez. So, so my family, we, we were a, a multi-sport family and we, we grew up playing a bunch of different sports like baseball, um, basketball, soccer, and, and wrestling even. Um, so I started around, yeah, four or five and I just remember cause my brothers played it. So I, I joined in and, um, just kind of took the regular path of just the, the, the recreational stuff as a, as a really, really young kid. And then leading into some travel soccer when I was around like eight nine or ten um and then it didn't get like serious until i was about 14 or 15 um once i got towards high school i had uh, i kind of dropped the other sports um I, I was a wrestler for about four years um from middle school to or from fifth grade to eighth grade um and i quit that to, to just play soccer and um that's when i kind of got real serious i joined the columbus crew um, pre-academy at the time and then I worked my way up to the academy by the time I was a junior in high school and then after that I, I was able to commit to Belmont um, went to Belmont there for one semester and then Sash saw me play with um, the guys over the summer sometimes with um, my older brother Alex when he was here I would come over the summer and um, play, play with them over the summer and it was it was always a good time and then Sash saw me there and then I sent him my video from when I was at Belmont and he was like yeah we're happy to have him here we'll hope hopefully he's going to progress into being a good player and he took his chance with me and I appreciated that and and, and yeah and the rest is history now I'm at Maryland so Sasha's chance paid off it's it yeah, seems so, I think so yeah um talk about your time kind of with the Columbus crew because obviously Alex too but like kind of what is it like being in that setting at a young age because that's a little bit of a, a step up above like the normal club stuff yeah professionalism yeah. no it's definitely it's definitely a professional environment um and that's that's kind of why I'm I feel like I have a head start from other people with being in that MLS environment um, all through high school and, and just kind of understanding what it means to be professional. Um, so leading into college, I was prepared for what it, what it's going to take to, to get to that next level. And, um, yeah, and I was able to watch my brothers, both, uh, Ben, my, my oldest brother and Alex were both a part of the Columbus crew Academy. So growing up, I was just always surrounded by that environment and, and was watching them play and progress. And I was able to just mimic their, their, uh, progression basically so we'll fast forward to when you're at maryland and so i know you and i talked about it a little bit a few weeks ago but kind of the relationship with your brother and kind of you talked about maybe a little bit of a competitiveness here because you have like that friendly rivalry yeah. you're the second Cornelli brother to wear the armband for yeah. maryland what is what is that kind of like what is that dynamic um it's it's really cool actually because you don't you don't see that very often yeah. and and especially with it being him as he leaves i come right in mm-hmm. so there's there's no um period where there's there's not a chronology here it's been <laughs> it's been seven straight years um and it's really cool uh it's a it's a cool accomplishment and and there's not too much competition but there is a little bit of uh you know it's nice to have like one, one edge up on another on a on him or something like he's got the he's got the all-american and <laughs> the big 10 tournament and all that stuff but i got the national championship right now so um, I have him there, and, and I'm just going to keep striving to get, to get more accolades and see what I can do for him, over him. 
Yeah, I was talking to Ben and Matt about that because, like, Ben scored against Indiana a very good goal, but then Matt came back in the College Cup, and oh, then yeah, Ben yeah. had the screamer this year. So, really, how is Matt going to top that? So, a lot of, like, brotherly rivalries oh, yeah. in, in the program. There were some comments after that game, too, about, about uh, Benny scoring that. That, sh- that shot against um, what was it Villanova? That was Villanova, yeah. And then and then Maddie said something like, "Oh, well, yeah, I I scored in the semifinal, but that's not <laughs> a big deal or anything." But, um, so uh, again, kind of with the relationships, like you were pretty close with Amar Sadich, yeah. and what was kind of that dynamic like? Because your midfield partners on the field, but you were pretty close off the field as well. Yeah, we were we were roommates um, off the field and um, really really good friends. And he was he was a player that I looked up to the, the whole time I was at Maryland um, from when he was a junior. Um, I always tried to, cause he, he was, he was always, you know, he was the number 10, he was the midfielder. He was the kind of guy that, that we ran the ball through. And, and he was, in my eyes, he was the smartest player and the most technical player. And he was a player I wanted to look up to the most. Um, so every, every time we would go out and play, I would just, I would just watch him and learn from him. And that's kind of something I've always been doing as I, as I've progressed as a player is just find the best player and try and mimic them. Um, and yeah, so Amar, Amar, we have a really good relationship and, and, uh, I've been looking up to him a lot and it's nice to see him. Uh, he just got his debut mm-hmm. for Montreal. So it's nice to see uh, him, him, uh, doing well and, in the MLS. So Omar wore the number 10. You're yeah. wearing the number 10 this year. Any, any correlation or did you just want the number? Um, n- not really. No, <laughs> I, I've worn number 10 my whole life. Um, I like the number and I just think, I don't know. I like, I like the number 10 and yeah, we're, we're different players, yeah. but you know, both, I guess, number 10s for the, for the particular team that we're on. Yeah. Um, so last year, the, the title run, uh, obviously the season didn't, didn't get off to the start you guys wanted pretty difficult to find the back of the net, but kind of it switched in this, this will be kind of a tactical question. Sash switched to that double pivot, which mm-hmm. involved you maybe sitting a little deeper or something like that. Kind of how did that change tactically kind of flip the momentum for your, the rest of your season? Um, well, so we went to the, to the two holding mids with me and Samuels and, um, what, what that kind of did was, was set the standard for, for defending first. And that's what kind of really propelled us to the national championship and, you know, giving up zero goals in the, in the playoffs. And it was more of a defending defensive first kind of mentality and, and the rest will come. And we, we were able to find the back of the net a few times and then give up zero goals. And that's how you, how you're going to get wins. So. And you're now playing, you talked about playing with Andrew Samuels last year. You're now playing with Nick Richardson this year. And he's kind of new to that center midfield role. Mm-hmm. He hasn't played it yeah. up until, I think, the spring. Um, how have you kind of seen that relationship build over the course of the season? Um, yeah, no, Nick, Nick's progressing really well in the midfield. He's just, he's, he's working off, off of my movements, trying to, um, trying to learn um, how to play well with me. And, and he's growing um, with his confidence on the ball. And defensively, he's, he's great. He's great to play with. I can always trust him to, to, to make tackles and, and work hard. Um, so he's, he's progressing well. He's learning the position and, and it's not easy to be thrown in the midfield. It's, it's not an easy position at all. And, and there's a lot to know and a lot to learn. Um, but, but I think he's doing well. And so you kind of have, 
had to deal with some injuries this year. Obviously, Paul going down the yeah. first day of, of preseason. Then, Will, you've had a few knocks. Nicholas mm-hmm. only had one working eye for a little bit. Yeah. Um, how have you guys tried to – it's a cliche question, but manage that because this is kind of the start of your season, and it's difficult to get that chemistry building yeah. when you have guys coming in and out of the lineup. Yeah, and, and even myself missing – basically three games with with my calf and it's it's been it's tough to to kind of deal with but it's something you gotta you gotta work through and and in the long run I think it it will help the team because it does give those those guys who wouldn't usually be getting time they're getting they are getting time um and they're getting confidence so um I think I think it's important to to have those um not necessarily you don't want those injuries but it's important to have some adversity throughout the season that that allows you to grow and that's something that we we faced last year and and it paid off in the end so once we're able to get will will uh back hopefully and then paul unfortunately he won't be back this season but hopefully we'll, we'll be as as healthy as possible going into the end of the season that's what that's what we're looking to do and so it seems like you have a pretty good support system your family travels to almost every game is that uh yeah yeah, every game. I, I'm yeah, pretty yeah. much every game. So, what what is that like? Because coming in and everything. Obviously, you said Alex was here before, yeah. but you, you seem like a very tight knit family. What is what is that kind of like? Uh, it's it's amazing. Um, the support that I get from from my parents and my brothers and even my extended family that um, come and watch me play. Um, it's 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 rare to see. You don't really see many families that do that and have the time to do that. Um, so I, I cherish that and I appreciate it every time they come. Um, and my mom even, she counted, she has a bunch of pictures from, from all the games that we've played and she counted how many, how many people have, have come to watch us play and it's, it's over a hundred people. Wow. Yeah. So it's really cool. And, and yeah, I appreciate that. It's amazing. So we'll probably now move towards the, where I ask you a bunch of random questions kind of thing. Yeah, let's do it. Part of the, part of the point of doing this was to get to know you guys off the field a yeah. little bit. So. Um, what is your what is your major? We'll we'll start with that. My major is sociology. And what kind of made you like interested in that? And where do you kind of maybe see that going? Um, where do I see it going? I'm not really sure <laughs> right now. Um, but I was interested in it just because I was I was curious about the the whole our society and and why certain people are are less privileged than others. And um, so that really intrigued me and the whole idea of I was really interested in race and racism and I wanted to learn more about it and understand why it's happening and and how how it can be prevented and and all that stuff so that's kind of what brought me to it at first so we've covered the academics we can move on from that it's just like a, <laughs> I, have, yeah. I have to ask that yeah. uh what, what favorite movie favorite movie wolf of wall street yeah yeah it is and none of these are timed you can give as many answers as you want anything like Perfect. that um favorite tv show or maybe what you're watching now my favorite TV show of all time is The Sopranos, um, because I'm I'm Italian and and I just I could relate to it and I think it was it was just an amazing show, very realis- realistic and yeah. yeah, I love that show. Is there anything you're watching right now? Right now, I am not really watching anything. No, I I haven't really been able to get into anything. I just been yeah no, not wrong. Not watching anything right now. Um, what about music? So either like, do you have a pregame pump up playlist? Yeah. Well, right now this. Recently, this this semester, I've been listening to this guy named Saint John. Yeah, I think Ben brought him. Up. Um, and he's he's kind of the man right now. So yeah. I yeah I listen to him all the time. Um, 
And then right now, actually, Gashi just came out with an album, and I've been listening to him recently. So, mm-hmm. but St. John, he's he's yeah, he's the guy. Yeah, he's the guy. Uh, most interesting place you've traveled. Most interesting place. And, and what brought you there? Um, I mean, my favorite place was when I went to Italy. Yeah, I went to. I went to Rome and Milan and um, Florence with my my two brothers. Um, I think it was two winters ago. And it was the first time I've been to Italy, and I'm a citizen of Italy, and I don't speak the language. Really? I've been there once, so I'm, I'm hardly Italian, but <laughs> I'm, I'm a citizen. And yeah, that was that was amazing. Italy is. I want. I need to go back for sure. Um, we had a great time. So, if how are you a citizen in that way? So yeah, my dad's side is my his great grandpa or his grandparents uh came on the boat from italy um had my grandparents here um so we were just able to follow the the track the track back to italy and and get a get our citizenship there you go um what is or would be your go-to karaoke song Oh. Well, here we'll, we'll we'll start with this. I know you guys have to do one when you first. Did you have to do one? Like, yeah, that's okay. A good, okay, yeah, so yeah. I like, I'm a real, I'm a big Post Malone fan. Okay, um, and I did uh, White Iverson. Okay, because yeah, that that was like his first song that really blew up, and I remember listening to like, yo, who is this guy? Yeah. And yeah, White Iverson. I knew I knew all the words, and I felt like. I could maybe sing it kind of <laughs> well, but I, when I was up there, I thought it was going it was going well, but it was not going well. Really? And, yeah. They put me in the in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> um, would that still be the go-to song now, or would there be something else? Um, in terms of the lyrics, yeah, because I know the lyrics pretty well, okay. so I would say yeah. That's a pretty safe bet. You have yeah. to know the words. I got to know. Yeah, be I, exactly. I know White Iverson. Um, if you were to do a karaoke duet with somebody on the team, who would you pick, and and why would you pick them? Paul Ben. He seems like a popular choice because he can sing. Can he? He can sing. Yeah. Okay, so I've heard some mixed uh, yeah. mixed reports on that. So you're in the Paul can sing camp. No, Paul can sing. Okay, we'll have to maybe like take a take a full poll and then when paul gets back we'll have to ask him himself yeah, he can't sing um if you could or if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life what would it be uh i eat sushi almost every other day so really? sushi yeah Sh- shanghai tokyo i'm there yeah all the time best food place on campus best food place on campus um i would say, i mean it's kava yeah Kava in support of Richardson Farms or just just in general. Hey, I didn't I, <laughs> I didn't really make that connection, but yeah, yeah, in support of them for sure. <laughs> but yeah, Kava. Uh, what would you say? And this can go back to like when you were four years old, or like what was the best goal you've ever scored? Like the one that stands out in your mind? Because your first goal here was pretty nice. That was that was a good one actually. Um, yeah. The best goal, jeez, I don't score a lot of goals. It's it's I'm <laughs> best assist sad you've ever to had? say, but the best goal I've ever scored. I had a I had a really nice goal when I when I played in high school one year. Mm-hmm. I remember it was a shot from outside of the box and it just was perfect and yeah. I just remember that one. Struck it perfectly. Struck it perfectly, yeah. Um we'll go go back to singing. If so if Paul can sing, who is the worst singer on the team? You give me worst? Yeah. Um probably <laughs> Jeez, I mean, I'm probably one of the worst. Yeah. I, I'm not good at seeing. That's but, fair. And uh, also, I, I always I always like to preface, you can put anyone on blast because they have yeah. the chance to respond. So do yeah. not feel bad at all. Yeah. Jeez, um, worst singer. <sighs> I definitely don't like hearing Johannes sing when he tries. But How often yeah. does he try? 
I don't know. I don't know. I, that's tough because the worst singers don't sing. That's, that's true. That's the thing. So it's tough to find one. Yeah. Um, can so because Justin did it last week. He did a, an impression of Johannes. Can you do an impression of anybody on the team or just any like? Oh, um, Johannes. Yeah, I, I actually can do Johannes yeah? pretty well. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Let me think you, of what you, to say. Johannes, uh, how was your day? Yeah, yeah, it's been good. Um, I. I've just been playing. Some <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. Uh, I'm trying to think of, but I gotta hear him say something, and then I can just I can put him on blast. Yeah. But. That was. I mean, that was a small sample. But that was really good. Yeah. So I mean, you might have Justin there. We'll see. Um, he said because he shared a room with him all summer. He just like picked it up or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, who has the <laughs> best hair on the team? Uh, you may say yourself if you if you feel so. Yeah, man. I'm gonna have to say myself. Yeah. It's the curls. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if somebody, if is there anybody that's cl a close second that you maybe have to compete with a little bit? Um, best hair. Definitely not the freshmen because they don't have it. Yeah, they're 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 gonna have to work um, to get that back. I think Johannes likes his hair a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He he's he's he blow dries it before games and wow. everything. Yeah. He brings a blow dryer to the t to the team house. Um, <laughs> mine's just just you know. To brush my hair, yeah. hands through it, and it's good, it. it's good to, go. good to go. I would say maybe Johannes. I'll give Johannes okay. a good hair. Um, so who is probably the messiest on the team, like the most unkept, like either apartment, car, locker? Um, I, I'm i going to put this guy on blast, but he, he did just transfer mm -hmm. uh, to Temple, Paul Frendak. Oh, yeah? He absolutely takes takes that one. Yeah. Um, his, his locker, his room was always... <laughs> It was trashed and and yeah. So Paul Frantic, everyone everyone now is pretty good about it. I've heard Craig. Craig has been the one Craig, that everybody brought up. <laughs> Craig, yeah, no, I haven't been to Craig's room, but uh -huh. I I heard that it's not neat at okay. all. Um, and then it's funny. Ben Derosa always has a dirty locker, and Matt always has a very clean. Locker, oh really? So. Like two polar opposites. Yeah. Um, who's like the most likely to oversleep and miss something? Um, Craig, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Craig's not he's, having He's he is late. Day. He it's weird. It's almost like he tries to be late. Really? Yeah. So it's yeah. You want to say something but you're just like, dude, you're just <laughs> you're going to be late next time so it's not even worth saying anything. Yeah. Yeah. Craig. Um so you and I talked you're not involved in the poker ring necessarily. That that's been going on. Not not recently. I I was a couple years ago I played, but I'm too impatient and yeah. I always <laughs> I'm not good at poker. I'm not gonna lie. I don't have the mentality for it, so I'm just losing money when I play. Yeah, it's not worth it. At no, that it's point. not. It's not worth losing ten bucks every time. Um, so video games. The two that we've brought up have been FIFA and Fortnite. Yeah. We'll start with FIFA. Mm -hmm. Who's the best? Who's the worst? And are you any good? Best. I'm good. At, I'm pretty good at FIFA. Yeah. Um, best player was Luca Levy. Mm -hmm. Levy, whatever. However you want to pronounce his <laughs> name. Um. Right now, I don't know. I think it might be I, – honestly, I don't know. It might be Brian Padilla because he's, he's playing. That's what everybody said. Um, but, you know, he's not even that. He's not that <laughs> he's not great. That we, don't have, we don't have that many superstars on the team. Yeah. Vinny was decent. Um, I'm, I haven't played in a while. I lost my uh, – or I don't have a, a system now that mm -hmm. Brian moved out, so <laughs> I don't have anyone to play with. Uh, I also don't play Fortnite at all. So, have, but have you seen it go down? Like, have you seen the guys like get into that like zone? Fortnite or yeah, FIFA? I, I mean, either. I mean, kind of I with Fortnite. To, I used to get in get in the zone with FIFA for yeah. sure. Yeah. Who's your go-to team in FIFA? 
Um, or were you like an ultimate team kind of guy? Like I, my go-to team was was Barca just because they're my favorite team. Yeah. Um, I like playing with Barca and then making passes and just passing it around. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, Barca is my go-to team. And what kind of brought on the Barca fandom? Was it like a little kid? You were like, they're a very good team. That is my no, team. No, so or... it's weird actually. Like I never really had a of my a favorite team. Mm-hmm. Um, even before I got here, I, I I would always say like, oh, I'm um. Manchester United fan or I'm a Liverpool fan but I didn't actually know anything about it <laughs> and I came in and Luca was a he's a really big Barca fan and and he was always watching the games and I j- kind of just joined in and, and would watch with him and then kind of understood why he was that he was a Barca fan and why he respected them so much and now I I, I kind of I understand the game so much more than I did before, than even when I first came in, um, just from watching them and learning and, and understanding why they're the best. And that's why I'm a Barca fan. I just appreciate their play and and I love Messi. And yeah, so. That's a very good answer. Yeah. A lot of times you're like, oh, you're a Barca fan. Yeah, it's like, because they're the best in the world, but you actually have very solid reasons. Yeah, no, I have, I have solid reasons. I, I appreciate the way they play and the Spanish, the La Liga and yeah. the Dutch the Dutch style it's kind of it's amazing so this is coming out on Wednesday so Rutgers tonight uh Cal State Fullerton Saturday Mm -hmm. um we you and I yesterday kind of talked about like the the Wisconsin game and how it was kind of a pause maybe in that momentum what do you kind of see going into tonight's game against Rutgers and how to kind of flip that switch again um we just need to we need to just go go after them like i said yesterday like mm-hmm. like they're the they're the best team in the country and and we need to to respect them and and play our game like like it's the last one we're going to play and and instead of you know kind of taking it easier i don't know i, I don't want to say expecting them to not be good because mm-hmm. um because of how we saw them last year but um, no, we need we need to go after them like they're going to be the best team in the country, and we we all know what it's going to take, and and it's a Big Ten game, so you never know what's going to happen, and it's not going to be easy no matter what. So, um, yeah. All right, well, Eli, thank you so much for taking the time to to join me. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. I had fun. You're listening to the Ludwig Lowdown with Brendan Hartlove and Joe Malfa. So once again, I'd like to thank Eli Cronalli for sitting down with me in that interview and we talked about a lot of stuff. Uh, great guy and took some time out of his very busy schedule. So um, he will be in action tonight against Rutgers. And Joe, what are you looking for as we move into the preview part of this podcast uh, up against the Scarlet Knights? You never want to say something is a must-win game this early in the season, especially after seeing what Maryland did last season and how they kind of picked it up of late. But it'd be a pretty good game that they should try to go out there and win and, and not stumble in this one because the schedule doesn't get any easier coming up. After Rutgers, who's the team that's receiving votes, you've got a ranked Cal State Fullerton team, tough trip to East Lansing, a Georgetown team, Indiana. It gets really tough. So yeah. this is your last semi-easy-ish matchup, at least comparatively, for a little bit. Uh, The good thing for the Terps, since joining the Big Ten, they have not lost to Rutgers. Rutgers has not scored against Maryland since 2016, so it's been a while. Um, The matchup, in terms of uh, the attack, Rutgers has not had a great season offensively overall, and they've kind of feasted on some minnows. The one time that they went up against a team that was kind of on par in the Big Ten against Michigan State, they got thrashed 3-0 last week. So 
when they finally got into that competition, they struggled. They did have a tie against Michigan 1-1 on the road. That was a good result. Jackson Temple leads the way offensively. He's got four goals, followed by Pablo Avia. So those are the two men to mark for the Terps. On the Terps side, it's just a matter of trying to fit the right pieces in again in terms of the lineup. Will Sasha go with the 3-5-2 once again? Uh, will he continue to go with Nicholas Newman in goal? Some of the questions that need to be answered. Um, who is going to slot into the midfield next to Eli Cronally? A lot of things that still need to be answered, but just a matter of building on the last couple of results. Now, they got the result against St. John's 1-0. Maybe didn't really deserve that win. Uh, that game, if you watch that game, that game of all the games, deserved to end nil-nil. Nothing happened yeah. in that game. Uh, so, again, as I mentioned earlier, maybe the universe evened out. They don't get the <laughs> result against Wisconsin when they probably should have. Uh, but the good thing, they get an extra day off. You know, usually you see the, the Friday-Monday, yeah. but they get the Friday-Wednesday, which is a big boost because after playing 220 minutes over the last two games, they deserve that extra day, especially in the heat tomorrow. So, favorable matchup against Rutgers, and it's just going to be a matter of capitalizing. They did not capitalize on the last two favorable matchups they had against Northwestern and against Wisconsin. So you cannot go through that and, and not pick up results. It's a team that is now on Big Ten matchup number three. Still nothing in the win column. And so you heard Eli say in the interview, he kind of said that um, they have to come out and play like Rutgers is the number one team in the nation and kind of have that mentality. And he didn't say it, but it's kind of what I've my thought on the situation is sometimes you see them kind of play to the level of the competition, which and, happens, I mean, quite frequently across all levels. But I think that's kind of what, we, what we've seen and maybe lacking that killer instinct a little bit, and that can be corrected tonight against Rutgers. And I mentioned that, you know, Rutgers is the last kind of easy-ish, again, comparatively matchup for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Don't take them lightly because for the first time since joining the Big Ten, these two teams against each other, Rutgers is not necessarily ranked ahead of Maryland. Mm-hmm. Both are unranked, but Rutgers receiving 19 votes, Maryland nine. So this is the first time you since really both teams. You really want to break it down. This yeah. is the first time uh, since both teams have been in the Big Ten that Rutgers is, I guess, rated higher than Maryland in that capacity. So And so we'll now kind of shift towards the game Saturday night, which is against a ranked opponent in Cal State Fullerton. They'll go into that match ranked number 14 in the nation, and they come in with an – 8-0-1 record as of, Tuesday, as of Tuesday, as of Wednesday. They'll play at James Madison on Wednesday um, at the exact same time that Maryland will be playing Rutgers. But it's kind of been it's a, been a very good season for Cal State Fullerton. They're off to one of the best starts in their history. And they, through nine games, have scored 17 goals. That's just a little under two a game or so. And they've been keeping the ball out of the back of the net with a .64 goals against average if you're into those kind of statistics. But they have also only played one away game through nine games. And that's big. And that's very big because you're coming across several time zones, with, which you they and have, I struggled with. We did. We went to they, Santa have, Barbara. they have not yet left the West Coast. Their one road game was a game within California. Mm-hmm. So they have not gone out of that. Actually, I take that back. Oh, no, they have, they have not gone out of that West Coast time zone before we were talking about their matchup against Air Force. And mm-hmm. I was thinking Denver is not West Coast time, but there was a home game, not a road game. So they have not left the West Coast time zone. That's going to be a big test for them. And they're coming over and they have a game on the East Coast before playing Maryland against James Madison. So mm-hmm. two games in a couple of days on the East Coast. James Madison, giant killer, question mark, after what they did a couple of weeks ago against Wake Forest. And so, I mean, you just kind of look at the results, and I won't go through, like, all of them, but they started the season with a loss uh, to California, then beat Hartford. Uh, maybe we'll go through them. Then beat Bryan, <laughs> beat Loyola, 
um, Loyola, Illinois, which I have been told is it's obviously not. It is Loyola, Chicago. I actually just Googled it. We talked oh, about this off air sure. moments ago, but it is actually the Fighting Sister Jeans. It, that's my thing. I like calling them the Fighting Sister <laughs> Jeans, and I thought that I was gonna, that was going to be taken away from me. So they did. They beat the Fighting Sister Jeans, which uh, that phrasing might have been a little bad. Um, but then they beat Utah Valley, beat Air Force three to two in overtime, uh, then beat Florida Gulf Coast. Then one away at San Francisco, which is their one away game. But again, San Francisco um, beat California Baptist, tied Loyola Marymount. Quick um, aside, too many Loyolas. Loyola yeah. Chicago, Loyola Marymount, Loyola in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Too many Loyolas. We should we should stage like an intervention with whoever like decides <laughs> the names of these. It's just it's too much. Um, but and then as you said, um, they have another game on the East Coast against James Madison. So well, when I go through those, none of those stand out as. And we kind of said this going into what I believe was the was it the Villanova game where they hadn't really played yes. a ton of huge powerhouse teams. Their best one is the Loyola Marymount team you mentioned. They've got twenty five votes they're receiving, but. Other than that, not a ton. And that game finished 1-1 in double overtime, so nobody was able to find a, a decisive winner there. But it's it's been a pretty positive season. They have some guys that are putting the ball in the back of the net. Oscar Flores, a redshirt senior who's started all nine games, has five goals, three assists. And then Christian Pinzone, who's a junior, who again has started all nine games, five goals, seven assists. So the scorer and the provider. And those are probably the two biggest threats offensively for Cal State Fullerton that Maryland will have to deal with because their defense has kind of shaped up a little bit. And you're playing now in that back three, back five, however you want to look at it defensively. Um, But those are two guys that have been very productive offensively that could maybe give some some trouble to the Maryland back line. You've got to figure out how to deal with them. And what you mentioned about the back three, back five, I do kind of qualify it as a back five because the DeRosas, they are two of the hardest working soccer players I've ever seen at any level. And they are almost always back defensively. They go forward as Mm -hmm. those wingers, yes. But it's almost like they kind of forget that they're actually technically wingers in the formation and they go all the way back defensively, which yeah. is not a bad thing. They cover. You never have to worry about them forgetting to cover when they're technically midfielders. Yeah. So I, I think it really is more of a 5-3-2, especially when they're defending. So um, if you want to get even further than that, <laughs> it's almost like a 7 and then whatever's up top because yeah. Cronally and Kovacic or Johnston or Richardson, Richardson. whoever is back there as the, the double sixes in the holding midfielder roles get back and clog the middle anyway. So they defend very well, and that's why they succeed against teams that have offensive firepower. Look at what they did to St. John's uh, last week. Mm-hmm. They were they had scored multiple goals in every single game. I think there was one game where they scored one, but that was the first time against Maryland they had gotten shut out, mm-hmm. and they did it in a hundred and whatever it ended up being, 109 minutes because yes, of the late was... winner by Brett St. Martin. So uh, over 100 minutes yeah. that they held them scoreless with the way they've been tearing through opposing defenses all year. So that's why, you know, this team always has a chance because there's always a decent chance they put up a zero in the goals against Column in any game. We can maybe talk because we, we are going to have a pro turp section, but with this coming out Wednesday, um, there there's not too much that's there's new not, since we did one. last Friday. Well, I, I want to get to that in a second, but I, I do want to get into one more thing before we get to that since we have a little bit more time. Um, I think that Kind of that three-five-two. I talked to Ben about his responsibility, Ben DeRosa, that is, responsibilities being one of those fullbacks, and he says he kind of likes the freedom to get forward a little bit, but he also knows he still has those defensive responsibilities to get up and back, and I think that without getting too technical, it kind of gives Maryland a lot more width in their formation and their attack, and it allows the DeRosas to maybe link up with some guys further up the pitch that 
creates maybe an interesting challenge for the opposition. And it's defense. all about creating that space because as they go wider, it gives Cornelli and whoever's in that creator role, whether it's Luke Brown, Brian Padilla, it gives them more space and more options to work the outer channels and find creases in the middle. So it, it really helps the team. Look, it's going to obviously be up to Sasha as the season goes along, how he sees that the three-five-two is working against other teams, and if they, if other teams start getting the game film and adjusting. But from what we've seen so far through eight matches, I think the three-five-two is the better formation for this team. And we know from last season when Sasha pivoted to the double sixes that he's not afraid to change formation at any time if it's going to help the team. This switch has looked good so far. They got the win against St. John's. Probably should have gotten the win against Wisconsin. We'll see what they do tonight against Rutgers. Joe, bring us home with our one pro turp of the week. Zachary Thomas Steffen. Is that, is that actually his full name? I did look at his middle name just uh, for that sole purpose good. of introducing him like that. But it's Zach with a K, it which is everybody messes up. It is Zach with a K. And it's ten K. times cooler because of that. <laughs> so since last podcast, actually, wait, am I getting my dates wrong here? Well, last podcast came out Friday. 22 would have been, give me a second, go into the calendar here. 22 would have been last Sunday. Correct me if I'm wrong. He was not among the slew of players you mentioned in the last podcast. Correct. correct. He was not. We okay, did a cool. lot, but he was Good. not one of them. Good. So this is still fresh, even though it's from 9:22. So his last two starts, both losses because Fortuna Dusseldorf is terrible, and they're near the bottom of the Bundesliga table. They start. They start started strong, but have slipped off a little bit. Yes. 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 Uh, near the bottom, not because of him. Against Borussia Mönchengladbach, nine saves, nine, and lost two to one. But, I mean, nine saves. Could have been worse. Could have been a lot worse if not for a heroic effort from Zach Steffen. Nine saves in a game you lose 2-1. to one. And then against Freiburg, this past start, didn't have as much work to do. Didn't really have a good ratio. He only had one save, two goals against. But the one save on a penalty kick. And anytime a goalkeeper saves a penalty kick, it's big news. I ended up getting, like, push notifications on Bleacher Report yeah. and ESPN about Zach Steffen flies to save penalty kicks. So, had a last couple of two good games for him. Nine saves in one. And then the penalty kick save in the next. And the penalty kick save, if you really want to get into it, is when Zach left Maryland, he went to Freiburg. And that's yes. kind of where he started. He played in the youth levels a little bit. Didn't quite pan out there. He came back to Columbus, but then gets that penalty kick save against the first German team he ever played for. So Zach Steffen revenge game. Exactly, the, with a vengeance. So um, I think that is it for this episode. I know it's a little different coming out on a Wednesday and kind of not having as full of a week That's to discuss. That's what you get when you have this weird college soccer schedule yeah. where you have Friday, Monday, and then you have a Friday, Wednesday, and then you'll have a Saturday after this, so we yep. go Friday, Wednesday, Saturday. Nothing makes sense. Nothing. I, I guess this is a nothing. good place to insert here generic throwaway line of Sasha Sarovsky's two-season system. But, yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm hoping to actually have him on and maybe discuss that a little bit more at length because I know that um, not a ton has come out about it recently, but there are uh, certain steps uh, being made recently. So look into it. Uh, prep yourself for whenever that interview comes out. It makes too much sense, and the NCAA does not make do things that make a lot of sense for the most part. Who is it? Time. Was it Draymond Green that said? Yes. The end, yes. We, uh, we're, we're not going to get into that, but you can look <laughs> up what Draymond Green says. I don't know what we can and can't say. but We can um, say anything. There's no FCC regulations for podcasts, technically. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think, yeah. Anyways, uh, on that confusing note, 
Uh, that will do it for episode number six. This is Joe. We have a toddler of a podcast. We do. Um, and so we thank you guys so much for listening. Again, Maryland taking on Rutgers tonight, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock p.m. That will be on WMUC Sports Radio. And then Saturday night against Cal State Fullerton at, again, 7 o'clock and again on WMUC Sports Radio. So, Joe, thank you again for your time. Of course. And that will do it for episode six of the Ludwig Lowdown on WMUC Sports Radio, your Terps, your station. Thanks for listening to the Ludwig Lowdown. We hope to have you right back here for the next edition with your hosts, Brendan Hartlove and Joe Malfa. Thanks, everybody, and go Terps!